the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, Why are you following me? They said to him, Rabbi, which translates meaning teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they went and saw where Jesus was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today's readings remind us that all of us are called. Sometimes there's a big call, our vocation, whether it's married life, religious life, single life, or being a priest. But there are also little calls in the midst of that big call. We are called on a regular basis, sometimes dramatically, sometimes not so dramatically. Our first reading today has a dramatic call. We have Samuel. Samuel's mom, Hannah, always wanted a child, but she could never get pregnant. She prayed and prayed, and finally, she bore a son. And she named him Samuel, Samuel, which means God has placed. God placed a son within her womb. And she was grateful for it. And she had promised God that if he gave her a son, she would dedicate him to the Lord. So he's growing up in a shrine. He's growing up right next to the twin tablets that have the Ten Commandments on them. And at night, he hears this voice. He doesn't know where it's coming from. And Eli tells him, when you hear that voice say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Now, I don't know about you, but that is not my habit. My habit is, listen, Lord, your servant is speaking. <laughs> I talk more than I listen. I tell God what my agenda is, what my desires are, what my fears are. And I talk until I'm blue in the face and give God little space to tell me what he wants, what he desires. But we do get a call. The question is, do we give God enough space that we can hear that call? There's no doubt that we are being called, but are we listening? Is there enough quietness in our prayer to actually hear that call? That is the dramatic one. The not-so-dramatic one is the call of Andrew. He is the first apostle to be called. St. John the Baptist says, this is the guy you ought to be following. And so Andrew follows, and Jesus says, what are you looking for? And Andrew simply says, well, where are you staying? and he spends the afternoon with the Lord. It's not very dramatic, but somehow Andrew is so taken with the Lord that he decides other people need to hear about him too. 
So he goes and he gets his brother Peter. Now what I admire about Andrew is he is content not to compete with Peter. He could have said, hey, I was the first one. I'm more important than you. But he takes a back seat to Peter. He becomes the great networker in Jesus' ministry. He is the one that gets the boy with the five loaves and the two fish to come forward to Jesus to offer those when the multitudes are fed. He is the one that brings some curious Greeks to Jesus and paves the way for Gentiles to be part of the mission as well. His call wasn't dramatic, but it was significant. His call was to be the great networker, and he did that job very well. So, our call can be dramatic or rather mundane, but make no mistake, there are calls. So let me tell you about two calls, one dramatic and one rather prosaic. The dramatic one is about a man who died in 1896. But in 1888, he opened the newspaper to find his obituary in it. You see, they had made a mistake. They confused him, who was fairly famous, with his brother, Ludwig. And so this whole obituary is about Alfred, or rather Albert. And he is looking at it, and he's horrified. Because it says, the headline is, the Dean of Destruction has died. And it says in the obituary, this man was the merchant of death. He found a way to kill more people more quickly than anybody ever had in human history. He was horrified. You see, he had invented dynamite, and he thought dynamite could clear roads, could make holes in mountains to build roads. It could help with mining. He thought this was a good thing. But now when he read his obituary, he realized that he had very often sold his product to make war rather than to make peace. He was horrified at the idea that this was his life's work. And so he decided to, unbeknownst to anyone, dedicate 96% of his money after he died to establishing five prizes. And the one that is most famous, of course, is Nobel's Peace Prize. He established prizes in chemistry, physics, literature, peace, and I can't remember the fifth one. But obviously, he had a call that was dramatic. He saw what he would be remembered for, what his life had meant up until that point, and he realized there was another call, a call to make amends, a call not for destruction and war, but a call for peace and reconciliation. The second call is much less dramatic. It was a call that I learned about from a former parishioner of mine back up in Venice. She was a lifelong resident of Venice when it was a small town. She said, my best friend was Josephine. We rode on the bus every day to school and back from school. And I was always a little bit uncomfortable when Josephine got off the bus because her brother, Jamie, was always there waiting for her. Jamie was her younger brother. And Jamie was different. We didn't know what it was called, but we knew he looked different. He acted different. He was simple. But we had a lot worse words for him than that. And Josephine knew that when she got off the bus, people would be calling out to Jamie and teasing him and making fun of him and laughing at him. And very often, Jamie oblivious would wave at them, and that would make them laugh even more. But every time she got off the bus and Jamie was jumping up and down in his front yard, she would come over, throw her books on the ground, and give him a great big hug. And then they would go in the house hand in hand. She didn't care that the folks back on the bus were laughing and jeering. She loved her brother. 
Whenever she was asked why he didn't go to school, she would just say, Jamie is slow, but Jamie is pure. The schools say that he can't be educated, so they won't let him come. But Jamie knows how to love, and I love Jamie back. And if anybody thinks they're going to make me stop loving Jamie because they make fun of us, well, they have a lesson to learn. Josephine rode that bus for 12 years, and for 12 years, Jamie was in the front yard every day waiting for her. And the kids on the bus gradually learned a lesson from that, that Jamie maybe wasn't a laughingstock, that maybe even though he was different, he had dignity, because it was clear that he could love and that he was lovable, that Josephine stood up for him. My parishioner said, gradually we learned over the course of those 12 years that if there was anybody in need of defense, in need of respect, in need of love, it was Jamie and people like him. She said, I know what the word is now, and it's not a bad word like we used to call him. It's simply Down syndrome. And she said, the amazing thing is, all those kids on the bus that still live in the town of Venice, we all participate in various charities and social services for people with Down syndrome. We all donate money. We all help out in educating people not to laugh at those people, but to respect them. It was a gradual call over the course of 12 years, and it wasn't dramatic, but she said to me, who knew that this would become my life's work? Sure, I'm married, I have kids, but on the side, all these years, all these decades, has been to remember Jamie and to defend people just like him. I didn't know that when it happened when I was on that school bus, but it became a real passion in my life. God has called you. Perhaps you're single, you're married, but God also has a call within a call, as Mother Teresa used to say. Other passions, other needs, other abilities that you have that can make a difference in the world. As a school teacher once told me, because I was too talkative, God gave you one mouth and two ears. Better to listen than always speak. Let us pray that we can listen today to what God's call is, and let us echo the words of our responsorial psalm today. Here I am, Lord. I come to do your will.